Welcome to a new episode of Beginner's Mind, the Life Science Get Together podcast. The power of networking is today's topic. Did you know that about 80% of uh, contracts, clients and customers actually come out of existing network content contacts? Did you also know that we are heavily influenced by the people around us. For example, there is this proverb on the internet which says we are the average of the five people we spend the most time with. Or there is also an interesting study that says that when a friend of a friend of a friend is happy, You, in the center of your network, have 6% higher chance of becoming happy yourself. It's scientifically proven. In this podcast episode, I will have the chance to discuss these and other topics around networking with one of Europe's best experts on this topic, Daria Tadai. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Christian. I'm thrilled to be here. That's great. Daria, what's your definition of, of networking? My definition of networking is that it is a trillion dollar opportunity. And I uh, say it because it's a true story that uh, Steve Wozniak, uh, one of the founders of Apple, uh, said in an interview that Apple started where someone at a party told him, hey, you need to meet Steve jobs. He likes to make jokes and he also likes computers. And I would say that sometimes people take this uh, flat definition, what you see on the surface, uh, that you exchange business cards, that you meet someone who knows someone. And it's true. It is about uh, creating uh, those loose connections uh, locally, globally. But It's not enough that you know someone. So um, my definition really about strategic networking is that it is all about network thinking. Have you heard about network thinking? Uh, not in detail. Please explain a little bit more about it. So network thinking is really focused on strategic networking. It is a new approach to empower innovators and entrepreneurs who do not want to do business as usual. Uh, there are many people who have very defensive approach. Uh, they just want to continue the way they are. But there are more and more um, professionals who say, I don't want to have a life like this. I don't want to have the world like this. I don't want to have a career like this. And then they need really to tap on the intelligence of their networks and shape their ecosystem in a very strategic way to be empowered to really drive change or, or ecosystem transformation, uh, if you wish. So network thinking is really about ability to tap on the intelligence, the collective intelligence of all people you know, and the people who know other people in your networks. <laughs> That's an amazing approach. Uh, Daria, how comes that you are so interested in networking? Uh, what brought you in that direction? So my background, I'm a social scientist, uh, and I've been always working on leadership, innovation, and entrepreneurship. And then back in 2008, I was asked uh, by uh, the president of the European Commission, um, Jose Manuel Barroso, to join the founding board of the European Institute of Innovation and Technology. And originally, wow. the vision was that the EIT will be a university of the 21st century, like the MIT. But when we met um, as the founding board, we pretty quickly realized that with the financial crisis uh, looming around, rolling around the world, uh, business as usual is not possible. And the only way to turn around the future of a company, uh, of a ecosystem, uh, a regional ecosystem, or uh, a complex ecosystem such as European Union must be based on overcoming silos, fragmentation, mm -hmm. on uh, looking for synergies, on really uh, finding a new growth model uh, for Europe. 
And this is where I really focused on combining this interest in how people behave, how companies grow, uh, how change is managed with networks. And it happened that on that board, I met Professor Manuel Castells, who is the author of The Theory of the Network Society, and uh, since 1996, the most quoted uh, scholar in um, communication sciences and sociology. And this is where I realized that uh, if we want to reinvent the future, if we speak about growth, we really need to connect innovation and networking. And again, networking in a strategic sense. So creating new type of companies uh, which are able to work in consortia, in partnerships, in all sorts of alliances, and then help them uh, consolidate the local ecosystem, tap on the talent that there is there, on the investment that there is there, and connect with other innovation hubs globally. So this is where um, in my uh, book, Innovation and Entrepreneurship, A New Growth Model for Europe Beyond the Crisis, which is today more actual than ever, <laughs> to reinvent cool. the future, <laughs> really, it's all about uh, a capacity of people to innovate together and form different sorts of networks. That's very interesting. I'm working in life science and the podcast has a huge life science audience. Um, I think this is extremely relevant to life sciences in Europe. I believe in Europe we still have the problem that every country mostly works for itself. What progress do you see in Europe since you started uh, at the AIT? Has there anything changed? So the concept really of the European Institute of Innovation and Technology was to invest in new types of public-private partnerships and the budget was at the level of 3 billion euro. And um, the Institute funded um, a half a dozen of different consortia and one of them is actually focused on health. It is called mm -hmm. EIT Health. And um, I think it is well positioned to be a game changer if only they can uh, work more effectively as a network, as this uh, partnership ecosystem. So I was giving recently um, an uh, online keynote to the EIT alumni, because uh, really I believe that if we want to speak about the transformation and the future, we should empower young people. And uh, only if uh, they are uh, truly feeling that they can change the world Uh, they will do it. I don't believe that anyone, you know, being a young person without a support of a network, without some friendly souls, mentors, coaches, friends can really grow. So it's really important that the EIT alumni, those students of uh, the best research universities in Europe, uh, the graduates of the best research labs and those smart entrepreneurs uh, feel that they have a nurturing ecosystem. And I was speaking to them that they should not wait for other people to empower mm. them, but that they should and that they are responsible for empower themselves in this ecosystem. And but, the way, yeah, go but, ahead. But, but, but why is that so important for young people? I mean, when I think back uh, 25 years when I went to the university, it was basically um, you finished school, you go to the university, then you study four to six years. Uh, you just focus on studying. You don't have to do anything else. And uh, afterwards, you find a job instead. And that's that. Why do you, why do you Christian, say today? It's so it was to... the same with the companies. <laughs> you know, you set up a good company uh, yeah. with a good business model, very well fit into the global value chains. And you just continue to optimize processes. Uh, you continued to grow through mergers, acquisitions, to, um, you know, look for young, promising companies, and everything was well linear. Uh, you could say, yeah, I have all the career set out, and the company would say, yeah, I have all my systems set up. Mm -hmm. But this is not, all, not longer true. And when you look at the tourist business, at the um, transport business, at the uh, industry 4.0 business, everything is disrupted, and health is not an exception. So um, business as usual is simply not an option, whether you like it or not. And um, these young people uh, should um, take advantage 
of the crisis that the world is going on through now. Because, mm. you know, if there's no crisis, there's no entrepreneurial opportunity. This is what my father, uh, who was my role model for um, having this dream of being entrepreneurial, and this is actually why I left academia and started a company. Um, this is why they should use a good crisis. It gives always good opportunity, good entrepreneurial opportunity. And this was my message to, to those EIT Health alumni. Yeah, that's absolutely true. I think the last crisis we had was 2008. Um, when I remember it right, I think it was the time when WhatsApp was started. Um, yeah, the Lehman Brothers went bankrupt. Uh, the yeah. subprime uh, market in the US got bust. And then, you know, everything imploded. A crisis is always a great opportunity to start something. You brought the example with, with Apple. And I think your thinking is best shown in the Apple case. Uh, Steve Jobs disrupted many industries. And one of it was the mobile industry. When I first saw the, um, the Apple iPhone, I thought, why do the world need another mobile phone? Uh, why is it uh, so important to bring it forward? But what he did differently was that he completely shifted, shifted the focus uh, away from a technical solution towards a customer-oriented solution. And I think this was one of the game-changing moves um, can you tell me a little bit more about um, what networking, strategic networking can make uh, an additional uh, um, competitive advantage for companies? Mm -hmm. um, speaking of IT and the mobile industry, there is a fantastic um, two covers of magazines. I believe it's Time and Newsweek. One features a new smartphone by Apple and the other one features a great uh, high-tech uh, phone uh, by mobile phone by Nokia, and um, I love Nokia, and I love uh, I used to have Nokia, and it was a super reliable phone with great batteries. But they totally missed out on the opportunity back then in two thousand seven, when Apple just changed the rules of the game. Uh, and um, uh, there are many stories how the smartphone was developed and, and there is a fantastic film which puts a narrative behind how uh, Steve did it and, and, um, and uh, the family, the daughter behind and the company around. Um, but what I want to say is that um, even if you think there is a new solution needed, and it happens so that you may even know what is needed. Like in today's crisis, we really know that we need a vaccine. Uh, we really know that we need uh, new preventive processes, uh, that we need new hygiene um, uh, standards uh, in, all, in all, all areas of life and work. And we also know that we need a more sustainable future and that the health, we current, health crisis we currently have is not only because there is a virus, it's a much broader uh, context because of the loss of biodiversity, because of the pollution, because of the um, unsustainable uh, climate solutions. And we know that this is a whole complex system. And to transform the whole complex system, if you want to know what to do, you go to the experts. Mm -hmm. I've been working with the World Economic Forum for a number of years. I've been on the uh, Global Agenda Council, uh, which prepares the um, agenda for Davos. And, and our manifesto on innovation ecosystems were, were announced in Davos. And then I was honored to to be titled the um, the digital leader, uh, and uh, and this uh, this was uh, really empowering for me. So when we speak about the complex um, system transformation, we need to understand that when we go to experts like the network of the World Economic Forum, you will find very good ideas and very clear data based reports what should be done. Now. Uh, we also, I also recently uh, co-authored uh, a report on what should be done in the COVID crisis. We published it with a group of, of advisors on people, planet, prosperity, who helps European Commission bring different policies together. And we claimed, yes, uh, we need to um, defend prepare and transform the European systems for a more sustainable future. So, of course, we need to prepare to um, defend 
uh, the people most affected by the crisis. There's no doubt about it. We need to prepare for the upcoming crisis because it will surely come. And by the way, if you look at the major reports from experts, what will be the uh, most likely crisis uh, to come in the coming years, no one actually out of the top 10 um, in the World Economic Forum reports, in World Bank, in, in other reports, no one thought that a pandemic's would be one. People talked about the really? energy crisis. Yeah, people talk about water crisis, uh, yeah. all different sorts of, of shortages. But no one, you know, even a, a, a um, I was once in, uh, in an expert table and people were talking about a mid-sized nuclear war. Uh, but no one really believed that a pandemic like uh, COVID that shuts down the world uh, puts one and a half billion children out of school is possible, right? So what I'm saying is that you go to experts and they tell you what to do. And there's a lot of data and knowledge. And uh, now experts, uh, we know what to do. We need to defend the, those most vulnerable. We need to prepare the systems for the midterm future. And then we need to transform the entire economies and uh, economical business models, growth models, for a long-term future for our planet to be sustainable. What, what, what transformation do you see mostly coming out of this crisis? Um, but Christian, let me just finish this, this mm -hmm. thought. So I'm just saying that we share a vision what should be done. Now, the real mm -hmm. challenge is how to do it. And mm -hmm. this is why um, I believe that strategic networking and ability to tap on the collective intelligence, to build partnerships, to work effectively as virtual teams is really critical. And, um, and uh, you know, sometimes it's hard to foresee what will be the most urgent problems that will be solved. There is so much redundancy in the system, so much technologies out there, so much smart people that in those dynamic ecosystems, we cannot really foresee what will come out. What we can do, we can strengthen the skills of people to work together. And um, if you allow me to come back to this concept of, of uh, strategic networking, um, network thinking, and network intelligence, uh, this concept builds on the, uh, you know, on the theory how our society works. And uh, society is something bigger than economy or business. And uh, then on my research on new growth models in the digital economy, and then on the all body of literature on leadership, uh, team performance, change management. So uh, we started to measure network intelligence, and we have an assessment called the Network IQ Index. And um, after uh, my startup went through the acceleration program with Johnson & Johnson last year, uh, we've been tested the solutions and um, with clients in the UK, the Netherlands, and Spain, uh, coming from government, from business, and from academia, from the entire ecosystem. Because, again, strategic networking is really about uh, creating a purpose network fit. Mm -hmm. So you need to understand what is your purpose and then create a network that is conducive, that is nurturing, that is empowering uh, to achieve this purpose, achieve the success that you have uh, based on the values and meaning that is relevant for you. So it's really the Network IQ is a bundle of seven core competences for high performance. And it includes four leadership profiles. So the network strategist, someone who can understand uh, what is the strategy uh, behind the network? So what are the key communities and who are the key people, the right people, as we call them? Then the networker, someone who is able to build those social tissues beyond the organization or across the silos in the organization. Uh, then the person who is an orchestrator, uh, we know all probably, I know that you have a portfolio career, you uh, manage a few simultaneous projects, and we need people who are able to facilitate um, the flow of work in this ecosystem, and, and we call them orchestrators. And ultimately, the fourth leadership profile is an influencer. Uh, and we are preparing a program called Influencer and Leader, which will help um, people uh, who already have a network to 
tap with a new force and uh, use this network, uh, restructure it and start engaging in a new way to, um, to have the right purpose uh, network fit. Stay with us. We'll be right back. You love listening to podcasts, but have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Maybe you want to build a brand, grow your business, or are looking for an excuse to talk about your favorite hobby. Whatever your reason for making a podcast, Buzzsprout is the place to start. Since 2009, Buzzsprout has helped over 300,000 people launch their own podcasts. Buzzsprout walks you step-by-step -step through the whole process and will give you powerful tools to start, grow, and monetize your podcast. Ready to get started? Click the link in the show notes to get our free step-by-step -step guide to starting your podcast today. Daria, you mentioned your, your startup uh, that you recently founded a new company. Um, it's, it's about networking. So let me ask you one question because you mentioned uh, it's important to know your purpose. What is the purpose of your company? What I care about, I, I care about you, Christian, and I care about uh, other people who believe that they want to change the world. I have no clue why uh, this is the case, But, but I really do. I really care mm. about something bigger. I used to work in venture capital fund and found it fascinated, you know, how you create a high return on investment. I used to work in investment banking, you know, uh, consolidating markets of Central and Eastern Europe. Um, but somehow I believe that um, creating uh, impact uh, is, uh, is uh, at least as rewarding as making money. Mm -hmm. And I do care that uh, the methodology that we develop with my team based on research on innovation and networks uh, empowers people uh, to change their future. I want to do it because um, I changed my future through the capacity to innovate and to network. Uh, as you know, I was born in Poland and uh, under communist time. So the last years, the last decades were the most amazing uh, large scale transformation you can imagine. Mm -hmm. And um, I was also impatient in my career. Uh, I left uh, academia as a very early career researcher. And I think every career, uh, every early young researcher uh, should uh, leave academia and go out there and get the hands dirty and, and look how the world Absolutely. outside look like. <laughs> no, so, it's pretty much the same. I studied business management and uh -huh. uh, thought when you want to learn about business and social systems, companies are the uh -huh. place to be, actually. Uh, I would like to, to get a little bit yeah. back to the purpose question. Yeah. Um, Simon Sinek uh, wrote a book, uh, his, uh, his, the title was Start With Why, so he expresses also on the company level, it's very important to first think about what people or what organizations are doing for the world. Also, Warren Buffett says something similar, he says, find your passion. So knowing what, you, what a person or an organization is passionate about and what its purpose is, is really key. And interestingly, Arnold Schwarzenegger summed it up in a speech and said, when you don't know your purpose, uh, it's just uh, drifting around. So any, any networking attempt when a company doesn't have this North Star or a person doesn't have this North Star, which is the purpose, uh, it's just leading, leading nowhere. Do you agree to that statement? Mm -hmm. I love uh, the work by Simon Sinek. And I love the book, Start With uh, Why. And our methodology, you could think about start with who. So with who is the right person for your purpose. Mm -hmm. uh, and my passion really is to empower teams. I, I love the quote um, that never uh, underestimate the power of a small group of people to change the world. And I really thrive when I see how, uh, how entrepreneurial teams Uh, change the world around. We were recently working with uh, so social science entrepreneurs from a very prestigious UK program uh, aspect with the nine uh, top universities uh, in the UK. And they all wanted to make an impact. Uh, they all wanted to make bigger uh, sense of their research than publish yet another paper, uh, which is absolutely relevant and, and valid. But then You know, you change the world in, in academia, not in a broader sense. And coming from a very poor country 
and seeing how successful we are today and coming back from a very uh, modest background and seeing how uh, the entrepreneurial passion uh, of my family turned around our future, I want to share this experience in a structured way with many, many entrepreneurial teams and individuals who, you know, who just uh, think that business as usual is not an option and by necessity need to reinvent their life or their business or just have a passion like I do to change the world uh, around. So my passion is simple. I believe in people. I believe that your fund, uh, that your podcast series can trigger change. And uh, through our work at Tata Innovation and through the network thinking, network intelligence, network IQ, uh, all the uh, processes and toolbox we have, we believe that in those disruptive times, uh, we can give people the structure to know the who, who's the right person to help them shape their future. You mentioned the toolbox of, of your company. What, what is in the toolbox? Um, the uh, toolbox is actually very simple. Uh, we do assessment, network IQ assessments and network IQ developments for individuals and for teams. So we have a test, we have a database, we have analytics, uh, we have a leadership uh, 360 degrees Uh, reports and profiling. And then we have uh, super cool micro-coaching programs like our uh, breakthrough network thinking for LinkedIn and for Twitter, uh, which basically helps uh, busy people use a micro-moment of 10 minutes to uh, apply network thinking to build uh, a stronger uh, brand and network on using LinkedIn or Twitter. And then we have full-fledged live uh, coaching programs with myself and my team on uh, developing the network strategy or developing the skills, this bundle of skills for uh, high network IQ. That's, that's amazing. Um, how can somebody approach you? Do you, do you uh, teach courses at universities? Uh, is it online? How, how is the usual process to get in touch with your company? So for a number of years, I was a professor and researcher at different universities um, from University of Michigan to Warsaw University of Technology. I do not teach for the moment anywhere. I believe that if you want to grow a startup, you need to be 100% focused on this task. Uh, but the easy way is to join one of our online programs. Currently, we are recruiting and enrolling for a program, Influencer and Leader in Sustainability. Uh, so the easiest, easiest way is to just uh, write to me on LinkedIn uh, at Daria Tatai, T-A-T-A-J, or go through our website, uh, tataiinnovation.com. And, and connect. Uh, I, I, wh whatever is uh, the need, the desire, the necessity, uh, we are very much focused on uh, having uh, people around us uh, become successful. Um, I think this is an important point, people around you. Um, networking, when I, when I hear about it, is very often um, uh, brought in connection with economic value. Uh, but I think there is a little bit more behind it. I read in a recent article that uh, the title was We are not the average of the five people that surround us. So some theory <laughs> says uh, basically we become like the people we spend the most time with. Is this something <laughs> that you can agree on from your experience? <laughs> well, my research shows that really success and growth uh, depends on the right balance between the so-called um, close ties and loose ties and weak ties. Mm -hmm. So you need to be tightly knit with your close ecosystem. And we do need this physical presence. And then this locally, uh, being tightly knit locally should be balanced with being loosely coupled globally. So we do need those vast networks of digital contacts and the people that we communicate on LinkedIn and the com online communities that we build. So it's really the success depends on your ability to have a big trusted, tightly knit local community, local network, and then 
those access to new knowledge, uh, opportunities, insights, talent out of this global, global pool. Uh, so these two must work together. And this is why uh, our approach, uh, our science-based approach helps people build these two dimensions. So, so I think uh, that, uh, that this is the recipe for, for a new growth model um, in the digital economy. So to get it right, you think it's really helpful to reach out to people on LinkedIn and just uh, network digital on top of uh, um, the real world experience? In our um, competences is digital communication and collaboration for diversity. Um, but uh, I believe that really the, the strongest element is about influence. So you're using communication and collaboration to influence the community in the direction you want. And LinkedIn is a fantastic tool to uh, validate your value proposition. If you're a, a, uh, a startup entrepreneur or, uh, you know, an innovator, a, a researcher who wants to commercialize technology, um, it's a great environment to recruit people. It's a great uh, environment to find new opportunities, whether clients or job, whatever you look for. And it's actually a very good environment to disrupt. So just an interesting insight from our last year research is that um, there is a correlation between how people use networking and then their competences. Uh, so you can say that almost everyone uses networking to sell. Would you agree? Um, <laughs> Usually we say yeah, we're networking to sell, right? <laughs> and it's very transactional, right? I, I just, um, especially when you talk about LinkedIn, I was thinking about Gary Vaynerchuk. Do you know Gary Vaynerchuk? Uh, no, I don't. It's, um, it's an uh, American influencer. He basically uh -huh. started out years ago with wine library he was one of the first persons uh, people who tried to sell wine online uh -huh. and he has uh, grown his business of his family and then went with this experience more into towards the social media marketing direction and he's one of the influencers um that says uh you don't go online to sell you go online to provide value first and you bring <laughs> something to people to be attractive to people and then you sell. So mm -hmm. it flips it a little bit around and says, uh, when you go online, you don't sell right away. Mm -hmm. uh, how do you see it? Mm -hmm. So our research shows that over 75% of people who, who um, say they, they, um, they often network, so they use networking, they say they lose, use it to sell. But then interesting is that only 45% of them say that they are successful. And on the other hand, uh, around 17% of people say they use networking to disrupt. And in this population, in this group, almost 90% say that they are highly successful. And uh, when we look at our data and our analytics and see what are the leadership profiles, um, the competence profiles of these two types of people, they are fundamentally different. different. So the people who are using uh, networking in a transactional way and, and find it that they are not successful, they really do not have a network strategy. So they're just crazy around trying to, uh, to connect and, and, and trying to sell, uh, while the people who, uh, who uh, have the high network IQ and who use networking to disrupt, they really are very strategic building their uh, networks and tapping on their networks fit for a purpose. Uh, the second big difference is about influence. So uh, those um, people using networking to sell have very low uh, and declare very low level of skills to influence uh, their ecosystem, their networks. And this is just the opposite for those disruptors. And ultimately, the communication, the digital communication is a big, big differentiator. Uh, where, so in other words, the recipe for being uh, a disruptor, someone who successfully can turn around uh, the ecosystem, uh, the future of the company or, or your career, is to really have the network strategy. So again, the network strategy is the purpose network fit, understanding who are the right people, then being able to communicate effectively uh, using digital and face-to-face -face communication 
this is why we put so much uh, emphasis on the capacity to use, link, use LinkedIn and Twitter strategically, and then really uh, to build trust uh, in the community to become an influencer. Uh, and this concept of influencer uh, should not be thought about as you know, having uh, thousands of followers. Sometimes you can be a micro-influencer or a nano-influencer, but it does not mean that people in your community will not give you access to the opportunity. But being even a nano-influencer takes a strategy and takes effort to building your community daily. No, I, I absolutely agree with that. I think it's uh, the number of followers is is usually meaningless. I mean, when you think at uh, at life science, um, when you have in your network uh, twenty high net worth investors, I think this is enough uh, of a community to 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 move the industry forward or to make a huge shift in the industry. When an influencer can motivate this investor to go into one single company that can change the world. Um, on the other hand, I think there is a huge shift going on in, in, in influencing people, especially with social media. Um, during lockdown, I got uh, interested in, uh, in TikTok. And I'm quite amazed how, how easy it is for some people to build a huge audience. I think Charlie D'Amalio is one of them. Uh, it's just a girl from the United States who dances on TikTok. And suddenly <laughs> she has, I think today, she has 70 million followers. It's a highly engaged community. She gets tremendous amounts of likes and comments. And uh, this girl has really an influence. I mean, she, she can uh, direct 70 million people. And the most amazing fact is what I read on, on, uh, on the internet recently is that per TikTok video, she makes $40,000, which I think is quite amazing. I mean, two videos a day, it's $80,000. Um, the question for me is how can, can scientists make use of these strategies that those, uh, influencers at TikTok, for example, or Twitter or LinkedIn, uh, make use of for a couple of years right now? What's your opinion? Mm -hmm. So in one of our recent projects, we've been working with the, some of the top, uh, scientists and innovators in, uh, in Eindhoven, uh, in the Netherlands, which is one of the mm -hmm. top innovation ecosystems in the world with over 10,000 high-tech companies. And the first thing um, we help those high potential scientists and innovators do is to really establish their digital presence. Um, it may sound trivial, but for many technologists, uh, it does not make any sense uh, to have the digital presence. <laughs> so, uh, and, uh, you know, and today uh, you can buy a lot of followers uh, but when we say an influencer and a leader, it's really someone who has trust. And um, of course, it's absolutely amazing if you're creating the, the networks of 17 million people. But I believe we should look at this as a kind of um, media uh, concept because you're really creating a micro con media concern, mm. a micro media uh, you know, uh, company. Um, speaking about Time Warner, you know, and NBC and CNN and so on, um, because, uh, because this is the category. So uh, scientists are in a different category, but uh, for example, one of the uh, influencers in um, systems and uh, the future of mobility, automobile industry, Professor Martin, um, Martin Steinbuch, is the influencer. Uh, if you look at his Twitter profile, he has, uh, his network is uh, maybe uh, hundred times larger than an average network of a peer in his group. So we cannot, we cannot compare a high profile uh, scientist and innovator with uh, a person in show business who is uh, promoting um, you know, short videos and entertainment content. I believe that really, uh, you know, you can, when, we're, when we're helping, when I'm coaching CEOs or, uh, or high profile entrepreneurs to build their networks, we do not benchmark their profiles against those, <laughs> you know, uh, the, the Kardashian sisters, right? <laughs> uh, we, we, we create uh, the profile uh, power based on the peer group. And um, I believe, Christian, we had this very interesting conversation recently about uh, the 
um, high potential startups who go around and fundraise. And they, mm-hmm. I think you said they come up to me and say, hey, uh, this is my pitch. This is my product. Uh, I need a million or I need five million. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> right, no. That's a no. quick answer. Right, right, right away. Right away. Yeah. yeah. So right whatever is, <laughs> however perfect is their pitch, you know, it's just a couple of words. Uh, now, what really matters is their uh, digital brand. And I'm saying digital brand because today, um, if you're not online, you don't exist. So someone, you know, a young person came up uh, to me at a conference and said, hey, I saw your Twitter profile, so you exist. I thought, yep. hey, I thought it's the other way around. I have a profile because I exist. But this is not how the world, you know, works today. So uh, they need to work on their profile, on their digital presence, uh, build rapport, relations with important people, with the right people for their purpose. So if they want to fundraise for their um, life science startup, they need to build rapport with the investment community, with the right communities, with the potential clients, with the industry, with governments, uh, officials, if this requires permissions. And through communication, this digital communication, you slowly build your status and with status, you slowly build influence. So then when you come to pitch, uh, you're not and no, no one knows who this is person. You are the who, you are the right person. So one of the most cool shifts which occurred during our um, programs is that everyone starts with a question, uh, who's the right person? So really, you may be surprised, but this is the question every single person asks uh, in a professional life and in personal life for that matter as well. Uh, so who is the right person? And one of the biggest shifts in our uh, programs is that when they realize that it's really the turnaround question, it's who am I the right person for? That you're in the middle of the network and the whole world moves around you, all, this, all these people, communities, opportunities. I always say that it's like um, pre-Copernicus, when people thought that Earth is the middle and center of the universe, right? So you're thinking, I am the middle and center of the network around. And this is not true, okay? So actually, we create a mindset shift and create skills to understand whom you are the right person for. And when you create this mindset shift, you are really strategic about tapping on the potential of your network and building your network with a purpose in mind. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Money is all around us, and we think about it more than almost every other aspect of our lives. But how can we make more of it, and what's our drive for building wealth beyond just the numbers in our bank account? Join us on the Make More podcast as our host, Matt Heslin, brings to you a dynamic lineup of experts in the world of investing, business, health, and beyond. Together, they unpack the secrets to not just surviving, but thriving in today's economy. It's about more than just wealth. It's about crafting life experiences, seizing opportunities, and building a legacy. Subscribe now to the Make More with Matt Heslin podcast and join us every week for new expert insights and inspiration. I can absolutely agree with that. I like the example that you brought with the startup companies. With the, that go out. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that go out. I mean, there were many examples that I like, uh, but this one uh, with the startup company that goes out raising funds, uh, it's, it's really the usual pattern that I experience, especially with first-time entrepreneurs that they build something and um, then they come up with, uh, I need the money now, so, so where is the investor? Uh, and I think there is a huge shift in the industry. So going out on the market when a company needs money, I think it's too late. So I, I think it's really important to tap into your programs and projects uh, and answer these questions. Who am I the right person for? Christian, the- let me add another dimension. Um, you know, we have such a shortage of talent and the world is so diverse. And in many sectors, in deep tech, in uh, venture finance, uh, in startup community, we do see very little number of women right? Do, do, do you see it in, in your ecosystem as well? I, I think in life science, um, I mean, 
I'm talking from the male perspective, so it, it okay. might be a little bit biased. Um, but I think we have, I think it, it's almost 50 50 in some companies. Some companies I worked with, it was uh, more women than men. Uh-huh. So I, I don't know why, but I think life science might be more attractive to, to women than, than to men. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you also would say that in terms of venture capital, in people funding, uh, you know, high risk ventures, high potential ventures, uh, there is this 50 50, you know, split of talent? Uh, I, I didn't do any, any research. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> no, <laughs> let me answer this for you. No. <laughs> yeah, please. Go ahead. And when you look at the startup community and deep tech community, it's no again. There are very few women. Okay. And, um, but why, why is that? Why is that? <laughs> exactly. So there, there are many reasons, right? There's not never one reason. But one critical reason is lack of access to the power networks. And uh, I know that some of the... Uh, funds are looking specifically for women talent, for women mm-hmm. investment directors or, uh, or uh, it, companies uh, run uh, and, and co-funded by women. Because this is like, um, you know, opening uh, this to the larger pool of the network intelligence. Mm-hmm. And if you're able to have a woman um, connect with the power networks, both this power networks benefit and the woman. But they, the challenge is that those female executives quite often don't have skills to connect. And quite often those uh, high profile influencers um, don't have skills That's... or awareness that it's worth to help those um, you know, uh, high potential um, professionals that's an interesting point. Why, why, do, why do women not have access to power networks? So uh, it's, it's a very complex, complex issue. And I don't want to go into stereotyping <laughs> of the old boys club mm-hmm. and, and so on. The truth is that um, our uh, research, when we've done research on who might benefit from network thinking and network IQ, you would be surprised that um, the data set was not gender uh, biased. So it was more, more or less 50-50. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. vast majority of women were declaring that they need uh, more uh, competence, more tools, uh, more empowerment to, to become uh, more influential, uh, to become more present, uh, to become better connected. So, um, you know, there's a whole body of research on, on why they're not connected and a lot of fantastic uh, work done to try to build those uh, women communities and then have uh, individual women connect. For example, I'm one of the uh, investment experts on the European Innovation Council and the European Commission is very consciously promoting um, this diversity um, uh, policy where m- over 50% of, of investment experts are women. Um, so um, it does take an effort to bring in diverse, about all minorities, it's about all different nationalities, uh, that they do need a sponsor to introduce them to the established social systems. And uh, so, so, you know, it's not about women, it's about bringing in a multicultural uh, talent, um, everyone who's different than the mainstream. I think this is absolutely a good point and it's necessary to have all people at the table. Uh, I think uh, the right decisions only come out of um, sharing diverse opinions. And uh, when a, I think when a group of people goes just in one direction, um, mostly they go wrong. It's uh, just my opinion. It's not based on research. Uh, Daria, I think we, we can speak endlessly. So <laughs> I there's think so, so. <laughs> much, so much nice things to say. Uh, maybe we can do another episode, uh, but we are coming to the end of uh, today's talk. I would like to ask you one final question. So when we just assume that you could go back in time and you could meet your younger self, let's say around 20, uh, and you have the opportunity to give your younger self one advice, one advice only. Mm-hmm. What would that advice be? Mm-hmm. Uh, can I give two advices? Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so as a very young student, I went to study abroad 
I, I left Poland, I went to Canada. And I didn't uh, finish my studies there. I returned to Poland. So my advice for every young professional is get the best degree you can get in the best school you can access. So this is absolutely key. Um, alumni networks are some of the most powerful networks you may have. And sometimes I ask a question to people, Christian, I'm asking you this question. Do you know how, uh, how, uh, you know, how do you know that someone graduated from Harvard? I looked at, I look at LinkedIn. <laughs> no, you, they will tell no, you before they tell you what is their name. <laughs> uh, really? <laughs> okay. <laughs> so number one advice, get a degree uh, with one of the most respected educational institutions in the world and then keep contacts with the alumni community. Mm -hmm. but, the, but the other uh, advice is actually what I ad recommend that people uh, get inspired, which kind of helped me be, um, uh, be successful, uh, be accomplished, is that every time I uh, reach a certain point in my career, uh, which is uh, one of the points of an ambition, a vision, uh, of a phase, I never stay there. So if you're climbing mountains and you reach one peak, don't be uh, satisfied and just go down to the base. No, look around, what would be the next peak that would be worth the effort to climb? So don't take business as usual for a good future. That's amazing advice. Don't rest on your laurels, I think uh, they say in English. Uh, <laughs> thank, thank you very much for your time and for this amazing talk. I will post your contact data and the links um, to your company in the description to the podcast episode. And I can recommend everybody who is interested in improving strategic networking to reach out to Daria. It's absolutely worth it. <laughs> Christian, a pleasure, a pleasure to connect with you and, uh, and let's be in touch. Pleasure is all mine. Let's stay in touch. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Thank you very much. Bye-bye, Christian. Thanks for listening. Please, please share the podcast and make sure you've subscribed. Have a great day. Mm -hmm.